while you're turning there, there's a um, being in being a believer. Sometimes you get put in weird situations. And sometimes uh, you think to yourself, what in the world am I doing here? So for me, I had one of those moments. Um, I was, we were in this village, and uh, we were visiting, actually, Bina and, and her family in her village there. And I found myself sitting on this man's bed. And this man is sitting in his shorts and his tank top t-shirt, on his bed also, just watching TV, flipping through channels. And I thought, what series of decisions in life did I make to get to the point where I am right now? <laughs> you know? Um, and maybe you weren't in you know, South Asia on some random dude's bed. Um, <laughs> but uh, being as believers, when Christ calls us into his mission, as Christ calls us to, to expand his kingdom, we find ourselves sometimes saying, what in the world am I doing? Uh, have you ever had, am I, I'm not the only one that, that has that, right? Um, <clears throat> and I want, uh, th- this, this verse that we're going to be talking about today has been one of those fingernail verses. If you remember, Walt used to talk about the fingernail verses, holding on by your fingernails. Uh, this is this is one of those verses. This has been one of those verses. So um, let's read, and then we'll pray, and we'll get into it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. It says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. All right, let's pray. Jesus, I ask that you would open up our hearts and minds to understand your word today. I ask that you would encourage uh, the, uh, those of us that are doubting, that are weak, that are looking elsewhere, that are wanting to give up, Lord, that you would encourage us, Lord, and that you would help us to, to, to follow the encouragement uh, and the promise of, of this verse. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Um, What I want us to see today is that there are invisible realities of the gospel, invisible realities that we as believers bank our lives on, make our lives look very different from other people's, or should make our lives look very different from other people's. But these invisible realities of the gospel will sustain us. Okay, uh, They will sustain us in a difficult lifestyle of kingdom expansion. Okay, maybe that's a really lengthy thing, but basically, these invisible gospel realities will sustain us as we expand God's kingdom. Okay, So we need to hold on to them. Um, and look at them. These invisible realities are uh, the resurrection, as we'll see in the context around this passage, the therefore, that's what it's there for, okay? The resurrection. The second one is our identity as being beloved. 
that identity as being beloved. And third one is God's sovereign hand in everyday situations. Will sustain us as we follow the commands of this verse. All right. There are two types of things happening in the verse. Okay. Uh, there is what we call indicative and imperative, or as I like to say, what is true and what to do. Okay. Many times the Bible just hands you something that is true. Doesn't require anything of you. Doesn't. You don't need to do anything about it. You just have to believe it. Okay, so we're going to look at those. And not only is it, does it not require anything of you, but it gives you the power and the strength to actually obey what it does require of you. Okay, so what is true? And we want to know what that is because that will strengthen us and encourage us and empower us to obey the second part, the what to do. Okay, so what is true and what to do? We'll work our way through the passage today, just kind of line by line, word by word. So we're going to start with therefore. All right, we'll take a moment. You'll notice this is verse 58. You don't get a verse 58 very often in the New Testament. So that means there's 57 verses before this. Uh, And in the context, it's talking about, it's one of the most lengthy uh, places where the New Testament deals with the resurrection. So let's flip back, maybe for me it's one page, back to uh, 15, verse 12. And I'll just read through 12 through 20 for us to give some context for the passage. And I'll pause in between and give some commentary, okay? So be, be prepared for that. Verse 12 says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Pause. So apparently in uh, the Corinthian church, there were some people that were teaching that there's no resurrection of the dead. Okay. Um, once you die, you die, and that's it. And there's a lot of people that believe that today still, right? Uh, and this, this teaching had infiltrated the church, and Paul is going to speak out against that in very strong terms. Verse 13, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Pause. Okay, if you want to say that people don't get raised from the dead, then you have to also say that Jesus didn't get raised from the dead. And, and there's a lot of problems with that uh, for our faith. Verse 14, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it's true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Um, so he, he says, if the resurrection hasn't happened and Christ wasn't raised, and if Christ wasn't raised, then you're still in your sins. And why am I preaching and why are you believing? There's really no point to any of this if there's no resurrection. See, our faith is not about our best life now. Our faith uh, tells us that there is an eternity, that there is a life beyond this life, that this 70 or 80 or 90 or 100 years that we get uh, in this world is a blip. It's a blip in comparison to eternity. And that makes Our life right now, this little blip, the decisions that we make, infinitely meaningful. Because eternity is on the line. Um, But if that's not true, 
then, you know, as Dave Matthews' band said, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Um, and he wasn't the first to say that. Um, and, and Paul quotes that a little bit later here in, in the passage. But verse 20 says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. He has been raised from the dead. The resurrection is real. We shall be raised. We shall be changed in a moment. The resurrection is fact. Your resurrection is a fact. Yes, you will die and you will be raised to life. Those of us in Christ have an eternity of worshiping God and enjoying God ahead of us. And that should be cause for great comfort. Um, so that's what the therefore is there for, okay? Uh, it says, therefore, he gets all the way to the end, and I won't go through all the rest of the chapter. There's a lot of wonderful stuff in there about the resurrection. But he comes to verse 58, and he says, therefore, because eternity is real, because your resurrection is, uh, is a fact, uh, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. All right. So that's reality number one. You don't have to do anything to get that. You just believe it, and God gives that to you as a gift. Okay? And you will be raised. Uh, amen. amen? So the resurrection is truth number one. Truth number two, uh, beloved. My beloved brothers. Paul doesn't use this phrase very often uh, in this book anyway. He uses it one other time that I, that I uh, counted. Uh, but he pauses here to let the Corinthians know before he gives them this command that you are beloved. Yes, Paul loves them, but Paul is expressing God's love for these Corinthian believers. You see, when we believe in Jesus Christ, we are in Christ. We, we are in Christ, and God the Father loves us with the, with the love he has for the Son. That proclamation of uh, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. When we are in Christ, that's for me. That's for you. You are God's beloved son. You are God's beloved daughter in whom he is well pleased. Not because of what you've done, but because of what Christ has done. Not because of who you are, but because of who God is. We are loved he loves us because he loves us, because he chose us, because he loves us, because he chose us, because he loves us, and on and on and on that beautiful gospel logic goes. Um, God loves us not because of what we have done, not because we earn his favor in any way, but because he loves us, and that's all there is to it in Christ. Now, if there's someone here today who is not in Christ, then you're not able to take that promise. You're not able to uh, receive that. Because this is only for those who are in Christ. This is for those who have believed that Jesus uh, lived in their place. He died for their sins. He was raised for their justification, their new life. Uh, and, and, and you believe that that's for you. And if you haven't done that yet today, I encourage you to do that. Uh, to think through that, to really consider that, because there are some wonderful things that the Bible gives us uh, that, that, that God wants to give you, uh, but it comes through faith in Christ. 
That's where the blessings of God come from. And so I encourage you to, to do that. Um, so the resurrection is real. Eternity is real. And we are loved. The transition into the second part of the verse. It says, uh, to be two things, to do one thing, and to know one thing. Okay, we have being, doing, and knowing. That's kind of fun to follow, so we'll do that. Uh, so, be two things, do one thing, and know one thing. The two things to be. Be steadfast and immovable. There's two things. It's kind of one thing. Uh, the way I've, I've seen it is it's, it's, it's kind of two sides of the coin here. Be steadfast means keep doing it. Immovable means stop. So, it's kind of a paradox. You keep going or do you stop? Uh, and it is both. It's referring to a little bit different things. Be steadfast in your works for the Lord, okay, as, as, as the passage is talking about. Be steadfast and immovable. Now, this is speaking to a uniquely human trait that we love to not do these things. Uh, we love... To, to, to change and, 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 to, um, and to get out of difficult situations and to escape. Um, and, it's, and it's not a uniquely modern thing, but we're really good at it uh, as, as, as modern people. We have change so accessible to us. Uh, for our business, we have to be on Instagram, and Instagram is crazy. Uh, the, the way that the algorithms require you to put something new and sensational and flashy every, every time. Uh, it, it's incredible. And so our, our society, our culture is primed for this, what's next, what's new, what's different. And the scripture here today is saying, don't do that. Be steadfast and immovable. Because behind that fear, that desire for constant change, I think there's two things, and maybe more, but at least two things. Um, one is that we have a, a fear of missing out, right? The FOMO thing. Uh, we have a fear of missing out, that there's limited time, there's limited resources. And to that, we say no. We say we have eternity. Okay, we have all the time in the world. We have all the time in the universe to enjoy all the things that God gives us. Uh, we have all the love we could ever need. Okay, well that's the second thing is acceptance, right? We have a fear of missing out, and we have and we have a desire for acceptance. And the gospel gives us uh, the answer to those two things. The gospel tells us that in Christ, if you don't have your best life now, that's okay, because you're going to get it later. Uh, in Christ, uh, you can give up some things now because you will get uh, everything that God has for you in the life to come. So you don't need to worry about missing out, okay? Whether that is money or traveling or marriage or a better marriage or whatever it is, you don't have to worry about it. God has blessing and good gifts for us that he will give all of his children you don't have to worry about missing out. And for that, for that second one, that we're unconditionally loved, we're unconditionally accepted into God's family, and so we don't have to try to find acceptance anywhere else. 
with those two things taken care of, we can be steadfast. We can be immovable. And what are we supposed to be steadfast and immovable with? Uh, We're supposed to be steadfast and immovable, doing this thing, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Um, So, are we supposed to be dabbling in the work of the Lord? No, that's the answer, no. Are we supposed to be doing the bare minimum of the, the work of the Lord? No. He says, abounding. Okay, if you're going to abound in something, and not just abounding, but always abounding, you, your life is going to look very different. Uh, you can't abound in the work of the Lord and, and abound in um, selfish pursuits at the same time. We, to abound in the work of the Lord, your life is going to look different than the lives of the people around you. The work of the Lord here, um, I believe it means to, to be experiencing and expanding the kingdom of God experiencing God's kingdom through his word and through prayer, uh, through fellowship, and expanding God's kingdom uh, through by building up the church, uh, building up in our families, uh, in the word of God, and sharing the gospel uh, with unbelievers. So experiencing, experiencing and expanding the kingdom of God. Um, What's interesting is that most of the time when the, when the Apostle Paul uses the words work and labor, he's talking about full-time vocational uh, pastors or elders or missionaries. Um, and here, though, in this verse, this is to the church. This is just to the normal people in the church. He's saying, you too abound in the work of the Lord. You too be always abounding in this work of the Lord. And if we're going to do that, we're going to have to radically prioritize the kingdom of God in our personal lives, in our families, in our church. Um, so a couple of diagnostic questions for us in those, in those few areas. For ourselves and for our families, um, to what extent... Do your personal and home habits reflect the priority of the kingdom of God? It's just something for you to think about and to pray, pray, pray through with the Lord. Uh, to what extent do your personal and your home habits reflect a priority of the kingdom of God? Okay. For the church, we can think through, how are you serving and building up the other members of Riverside in the faith? The two things they're serving and building up in the faith. How are you serving and how are you building up the other members of Riverside in the faith? Again, something for just you and the Lord to, to, to wrestle through together. And, re, and regarding unbelievers, how many unbelievers do you have a close, uh, con- consistent relationship with? Uh, we can go through a lot of our days without ever seeing a single unbeliever, can't we? <laughs> Uh, if, we, if we try, or not being very close with them. Um, so how many unbelievers do you have a close and consistent relationship with? And if you have some, some people, that's great. And how often, or maybe when is the last time you spoke about God with that person? 
or God entered the picture in some in some form, and God entered the conversation. Did you? When did you last use the God word with uh, with an unbeliever? Um, now again, this is not to belittle. This is not to shame. This is not to push you into saying you need to do more, more, more. Um, remember, you are loved by God regardless of your works. God loves you uh, in Christ, and and your eternity is secure. Okay, and that being the case, now uh, God is asking you to prioritize His kingdom. Uh, above all other interests, to put first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? Um, there's going to be a lot of things on the last day that get burned up. A lot of activities, a lot of pursuits that get burned up like chaff. But everything that we invest in God's kingdom, every hidden thing, every small thing, every big thing, will not be burned up. It will last into eternity. So we are to know one thing, knowing uh, that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Knowing that in the Lord. Because here's what happens is we invest our lives and we make some crazy decisions 10 years ago. And then we end up sitting on some dude's bed <laughs> um, and, and we think, what in the world? How did I get here, what is happening? Is this worth it? The grass is greener, right? Somewhere else. And did I make a mistake? And should I reinvest myself elsewhere right now? Um, Phil Skull gave me some advice. Uh, he said, when the Lord calls you to something, keep doing it until he makes it really clear that he's calling you to something else. Because many times the Lord calls us to something, and some time goes by and it's not really reconfirmed. He doesn't reconfirm the calling maybe every week or every year even. But until it's very clear that he's called us to something else, he's asking us to be steadfast, be immovable, abound in the work that God has given us to do, to invest in his kingdom knowing that in the Lord our labor is not in vain. In Jesus Christ, because we are in Christ and because our works are in Christ, he will use every single thing. He'll use every hurt. He'll use every single hidden thing. He'll use every sacrifice. And he'll make it fruitful. He'll make it multiplied. He'll make it blessed. It's not hidden it's not empty. It's not for nothing. Uh, your labor is not in vain. Okay. Um, young mother, your labor is not in vain to invest in your children. Um, business owner, your labor is not in vain to run, to run that business in a way that honors God. Employee, your labor is not in vain. To, to show up and to honor God in the way that you work. Your labor is not in vain as you interact with that family member uh, who's hard to deal with. And, and you keep praying and you keep pressing in. Your labor is not in vain. 
God's keeping all of those things. He's storing them up. He's using them. And maybe we'll get to see the results in this life, and maybe we won't. And that's okay. Your labor is not in vain. So I'll close uh, just by reciting the verse once more. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Let's pray. God, I ask that you would bring encouragement, that you would just bring fresh um, hope and energy to those of us that need it, Lord. Um, God, that you would help us to invest our hearts, to invest our lives in your kingdom. And as we do that, and as uh, we, we start to question and say, Lord, what is happening here? Uh, that you would bring us that encouragement to say, nope, keep going. I have you where I want you. Keep pressing in. Keep honoring me uh, in that. Keep sharing the gospel. Keep praying. Keep working. Um, And Lord, that we would trust you with the results and the fruit, knowing that you are the master worker, Lord, and you're doing something through all of our work. You're doing something through all of our labors, God. Pray that you would use this in Jesus' name. I'm going to close us with a song called Your Labor's Not in Vain. It's been a very um, influential song in our, our team worship uh, over in, uh, in South Asia. Uh, this is one of those that we sing uh, on a Thursday night after, uh, after kind of a long week, and it just brings uh, encouragement to my heart. I- in vain Though the ground underneath you is cursed and stained Your planting and reaping are never the same But your labor is not in vain Your labor is not unknown though the rocks they cry out and see it may grow the place of your toil may not seem like a but your labor is not unknown I am with you I am with you I am I am with you, for I have called you, called you by name. Your labor is not in vain. The vineyards you plant will bear fruit. The fields will sing out and rejoice with the truth. For all that is old will at last be made new. The vineyards you plant will bear fruit. For I am with you. I am with you. 
I am with you. Oh, I am with you. For I have called you, called you by name. Your labor is not in vain. And houses you labored to build. Will finally with laughter and joy be filled. The serpent that hurts and destroys shall be killed, and all that is broken be healed. For I am with you, I am with you, oh, I am with you, I am with you for I have called you called you by name your labor is not in vain and I am with you I am with you oh I am with you I am with you for I have you by name your labor is not in vain now if you'll stand and receive the benediction using one of my Favorite benedictions from Walt Barrett. Now, go into the world in peace. Have courage and hold on to what is good and honor all men. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. Restore the wandering and share the gospel. Love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with us all.